1: considering who the Holy Spirit is in particular today. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? And if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open them to John 14. If you didn't bring one, I would encourage you to grab one from the back. And uh, I know you just sat down, but could you stand back up again as I read the words of Jesus. We do this to honor his word. Uh, And we believe that he is here with us in the room today by his spirit. And so that's in part why we say, come Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Bring us your word and your truth that we might grow into people who love like Jesus. And so these are, amen, these are the words of Jesus from John 14, Verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. You guys can have a seat. I think for many, many people, including Christians, the person of the Holy Spirit has largely been forgotten. Let it no longer be so. Let us not be like the world where Jesus says, the world cannot receive him because because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. So what must we do? We must look for him and we must recognize him. And yet, even if we were raised in church, Many of us talked a lot about God the Father and a lot about God the Son, and we prayed to Jesus, but we never looked for and we haven't recognized the work of the Holy Spirit. Why is that, do you think? Anybody? Just reflecting on yourself, why have we not recognized the Holy Spirit? Misunderstood. We can't control what the Holy Spirit does. Anybody else? A little bit scary. In fact, uh, at the end of the service, we'll sing a song uh, that starts "Praise God from whom all blessings flow," and then it ends "Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost," <laughs> which uh, you know we think of ghosts, spirits. They like they can be scary, uh, in part because the Holy Spirit in this case is misunderstood. But just so you know, if you think it's weird that we sing ghost, it is a little weird, but we just mean Holy Spirit. And it, that's, it's an old song that the church has been singing for a long time. And so in the older translations of the Bible, it says Holy Ghost, which is just to say not like Casper, not like a ghoul, just spirit, <laughs> spiritual being, okay? Uh, anybody else, why don't we recognize or seek the Holy Spirit even as followers of Jesus? We weren't taught. Somebody said weird. I think that's a big one. And, and one of the things that's true is the Holy Spirit can do some weird stuff. Like, have you read this book? Um, <laughs> and when weird stuff happens, and, and don't get me wrong, like sometimes the weird stuff that we see, especially like if it's on TV, or maybe it's other Christians we've met, it's like human weirdness. But the Holy Spirit can do weird stuff too. And so we might feel, Embarrassed. I have a slide that I came up with these three things, and so did you. So that's, we, good job, class. <laughs> you did it. Uh, and I think, you know, like, fear actually kind of shoots in both directions, right? We fear what we don't understand because we haven't given our time and energy to it, but we are afraid of being embarrassed. And it's scary because the Holy Spirit is... We can't control what the Holy Spirit does. I mean, the idea of trying to control God is a little bit absurd. Uh, It's like, I don't know, it's like a mouse trying to tell a cat what to do, you know? But uh, the Holy Spirit, because it's God, God showing up in the world and doing his will, which sometimes puts us in a place of risk, can be scary, And so as we explore who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about a word that Jesus uses here in John 14, verse 16. Uh, It is translated in the NLT, which I have in my hand as advocate. Some of you maybe know what the Greek word is because it's one of those like famous Greek words and the New Testament was written in Greek. So if you've been following Jesus for a while, you maybe have picked up on a few. Uh, But it's the Greek word paraclete. And this word literally means someone who comes alongside you to help, to encourage, to advocate, to counsel, and to comfort. And I I want to pause here a moment in our service because uh, there are some people in this room who need God as their comforter, uh, who need him to come alongside them in a time of great grief and pain, and that is Christine, Summer, and Sunsun. Uh, Some of you know that Christine's husband, Sunsun and Summer's, father has been battling ALS for the, I mean, for a long time now, ever since we've known them. And he's only been to church a few times because of that, but he passed away yesterday. And so we're going to take a moment to just invite the Holy Spirit come to come as a comforter, uh, to honor and recognize uh, Eric. And so if you just take this moment to even pray for the family, that would be um, that would be encouraged. And I'm going to light this candle just as a remembrance today for Eric and his life. So once again, come Holy Spirit to be a helper and a comforter. We all need the Holy Spirit. We all need God's help. I was, um, I was earlier this week. I pulled out this little tube. You guys know what this is? It's super glue. Yes, Jen knows because she was there. We had a broken crock pot in the house. one of the Legs had fallen off, and I was putting a little super glue on it to fix it, and Isla says, Daddy, can you fix anything? I said, no. I cannot. And I sort of, my mind skipped over the things, like the physical things that can be broken that actually super glue can't fix. But then I said, you know, Isla, you know what? The hardest thing to fix is that I cannot fix. It's a broken person. It's a broken heart. It's a broken life. And only God can heal that. And that, I think, summarizes as well as anything, the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit so that we are not orphans, we are not alone, and that there is somebody we can turn to for help when nothing else can. And there are some of us here who feel like we are beyond help, and it's just not true. Because the Holy Spirit can fix and heal any person because the work of Jesus has opened up the gates of heaven for us to forgive sins but also defeat death. And God has the ability to heal even the most broken people. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our advocate, our comforter, our encourager. And I think perhaps the word advocate, where you might think of it purely as somebody who comes and, you know, stands in for you when you need someone to, you know, have your back. I actually think this word actually kind of describes that link that we have to heaven. The Holy Spirit as an advocate stands as a a nexus or a gateway between us and like the very place where God reigns. He is God's powerful presence with us. Gordon Fee puts it this way as he encourages the church, and this is uh, actually a book that's fairly old right now. I think it's, oh man, 20 years old, and you might not have heard of Gordon Fee, but he's a, he's a very uh, prominent Bible scholar, and if you own, well, I mean, There's a chance that you own the NIV New Testament Bible commentaries, which are about this many books. Uh, And he wrote the book on uh, 1 Corinthians, which is one of the books of the Bible where Paul teaches directly on who the Holy Spirit is. And so very, very trusted uh, biblical scholar says this, if the church is going to be effective in our postmodern world, we need to stop paying mere lip service to the Spirit and recapture Paul's perspective the Spirit as the experienced, empowering return of God's own personal presence in and among us who enable us to live as a radically eschatological people in the present world while we await the consummation. A couple of big words there, right? Consummation simply means the day that Jesus returns. Uh, If you read to the end of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22 describes the, the, the crashing of heaven into earth. But what does eschatological mean? Anybody know? Big word. It means literally end time. So it's describing that return of Jesus. And so what does it mean to be an eschatological people? What we find in the New Testament is actually the truth that if we are following Jesus, we are part of bringing heaven to earth. And that happens now. That happens today. That happens as we love people and as we pray for people and as we worship, as we befriend people for the sake of Jesus. Like this is who we were called to be and we can only do it by the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody know where the Holy Spirit first shows up in the Bible? Genesis 1, you know, that's the very first chapter. It's probably verse 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens of the, and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Anybody know where the Spirit is last mentioned in the Bible? Revelation chapter 22, because it's the last one. The Spirit and the bride say, come. It's an invitation to follow Jesus and receive the life that only he can give. It's the spirit and the, the bride is the church. The spirit and the church say, come, all who are thirsty, come. And, you find that, so, and so you find the work of the Spirit throughout the entire Bible, from the beginning of time, past the end of time. And so as we, as we look through some of the names and roles of the Holy Spirit, the first that we need to remember is that the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. In the same way that God the Father and God the Son or Jesus is God, um, the Holy Spirit has no beginning and has no end, is co-equal in power and authority. And he's part of the eternal dance of love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a lot of other names in the Bible for the Holy Spirit too. Could we put those up? Uh, A lot of other roles or descriptions. Uh, We mentioned the paraclete, we mentioned the person of the Trinity. Uh, We call him our teacher. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, I'll just try to get there as quickly as I can. The the Holy Spirit acts as a teacher, and so it's no accident that we, when I open up the Bible, I say, come Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Like we we trust the Holy Spirit to help us understand who God is and what he's doing. 2, verse 13 says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdoms. These are the, these are the, this is the good news. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. He's the Spirit of life. He is the Spirit of truth. I'm already there in chapter 2, so let me uh, just back up a verse. We have received God's Spirit not the world spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. I guess I got 212. Oh, I started in the wrong verse. Well, anyway, trust me on that. <laughs> spirit of life. Uh, the, the place where like life comes from the beginning, but also this place where uh, we receive God's life. I think I'm remembering... Like I'm just remembering, I want to make note of uh, when, when Paul says that we are temples, our bodies are the very temples of God, he says it's because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's an example of how the Holy Spirit is God, but it's also an example of how the Holy Spirit is God's life that dwells inside. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. We say that Scripture is God breathed inspired. It's the Holy Spirit who spoke through the prophets. Peter, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends actually says, it's like the Holy Spirit carried the very words of God to all of the prophets. The Holy Spirit is a witness. And I think this is another interesting one. Maybe you want to turn there. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. Pretty sure I got this one right. Now, I, w- I want you to know, you can, you can trust the English translation that is in your hand. Uh, this partic- I want to I tell you a little more about what this says in Greek after I read it. Um, because sometimes I think this verse gets misused. It says, and God confirmed the message that is by the, of the apostles about Jesus by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. It's actually a little more literal translation is God is bearing witness. The Holy Spirit is the witness who through signs and wonders and miracles and gifts that are given, uh, spiritual gifts, gifts like prophecy and discernment and healing and hospitality and evangelism, this is part of the packaging of the message of the good news of Jesus. And if you read for example the book of acts you find all kinds of examples of what happens when the holy spirit shows up people are healed people repent people turn their life over to the lordship of jesus they say i've been trying to run my life on my own for ever and it's not working i've tried religion it's not working but jesus I'm going to give him a chance and the Holy Spirit comes and lives are transformed and changed and healed and bodies that couldn't walk, stand up, and eyes that can't see are opened. And if Gordon Fee is even in the neighborhood of Wright, this is our only chance <laughs> to thrive in a world that doesn't understand the person of God, who doesn't know the character of God, who's so distracted by all of the notifications and all of the media and all of, uh, all of the information out there, all of the things to buy. We need the Holy Spirit to bear witness, both in the speaking to people's hearts, but also through the delivery of his gifts, the things he wants to do in people's lives. Us humans, I mean, we won't have the resources to carry out God's mission unless we learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. Part of what the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants more people to know the love of God, to experience the presence of God, to receive the healing that can only come from God. And I can't fix the people. I don't think there's a counselor out there as helpful as counselors can be that can really truly heal and transform and change a person. At the end of the day, doctors and medicine have their limits and we have to put our hope in the fact that death has been defeated. That death is not the end. That the presence of God that we get to taste now and today is something we will be able to enjoy forever and ever and ever if we turn toward Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come into our lives. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit as the giver of gifts and the cultivator of fruit, the gifts of the Spirit. I mentioned the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness and self-control. Do you want those? (laughs) This is something, these are gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit. We don't earn them. We can't achieve them. And simply knowing things isn't going to do all of what we need. If we were a brain on a stick, all we would need is a message. All we would need is information. But, I mean, even science is recognizing there is a connection between our body and our minds, between our emotions and the, the stress and the trauma that we've all experienced that is not just intellectual. You can say, I'm fine, I'm fine, no problem. But if you stuff it and stuff it and don't let, let God heal you at the deepest levels, your body will rebel against you. We need God's presence because we are not simply brains on a stick. We are embodied people. I want to show a little video today. This is uh, this is an old one that I've shown in this church before. It's been, I mean, it's been years. <laughs> but uh, it's John Wimber who was part of the founding of our Vineyard movement. And uh, he's actually on ABC News with Peter Jennings, remember him? And I've edited this down, but if you type in John Wimber ABC News, you can watch the full kind of feature. But uh, I just, I feel like for me, some of what John Wimber says opens up what it is that the Spirit wants to do uh, in us and through his church. So let's.
0: The Vineyard's founder is a former musical arranger for the 60s hit singers, The Righteous Brothers. His name is John Wimber. He started the vineyard because he hungered for the supernatural in Christianity. I love Jesus. I love the stuff he did.
2: I love the multiplying of the food and and the healing of the sick and giving sight to the blind, spitting in people's eyes. I love that stuff, you know.
0: The first time he went to church, Wimber says he expected miracles. Did it. After just three Sundays, first he was frustrated.
2: Sunday, so I went up to this guy and I pulled on his sleeve and he had a... something on his chest with his name on it, so I figured he must know something. I said, when do they do it? He said, do what? I said, the stuff. He said, what stuff? I said, the stuff in the Bible. He said, well, uh, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, multiply the fishes and the loaves and... And, and, and feed the hungry and all that stuff. When did they do that? He said, oh, we don't do that. We believe in it. We pray about it, but we don't do it. And I was terribly disappointed. I said, wait a minute. You don't understand. I gave up drugs for this. I gave up my career for this. You mean I don't get to do it? When I work for the devil, I got to do the devil stuff. If I'm working for Jesus, I want to do what Jesus did.
0: When Wimber founded his church, he made Experiencing God the main attraction and the church grew rapidly. By 1982, Wimber was an established church growth consultant, and he was invited to teach a course at the Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California. He caused an uproar in Christian circles by promoting the evangelizing role of prophecy and miracles, including miracle healing. I think somebody said the manna of signs and wonders for the vineyard church to survive Is that a fair comment
2: I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ needs that today in order to survive I think we're out done we we can't spend the money on theater the theater can we can't entertain better than television can we're not better spokesman we're not better philosophers we haven't we can't counsel better than the counselors do what do we have to offer
0: so you do think that there are instances where behavior in the church is too extreme
2: yes remember not everybody that walks into our buildings real healthy some people have gone through some pretty tough things in life. They've been beaten, they've been abused, they've been sexually molested. They've gone through long, difficult histories with addiction, and so the Spirit of God touches them, and they do things that you and I wouldn't probably do, and, and, we, and we don't want to endorse or encourage.
0: Are you utterly, totally convinced that it always is the Holy Spirit?
2: No. I'm largely convinced it is the spirit, but I believe it's a mixture of humanity and spirit.
0: Take the anger, Lord. Take that burning hatred that's been eating at her. Lord, you really... It is sometimes said of John Wimber that he loves to operate on the edge, and that sometimes when you operate on the edge, when you push the envelope of the experiential religion, that you get yourself in trouble.
2: I want to go as far as the Bible goes. I remember when one point in our church there was a incredible outpouring of the spirit and people were knocked all over the place and they shook and it was I mean it was it looked like somebody threw a bomb in the middle of the room, frankly. I was I went home frightened. I was up all night saying, Oh God, oh God, what's happened here? What have I done? How did this happen? I'd never seen anything like that or even heard of it. The next Sunday I came back to church and there were a group of people and they were waiting out in front. They were very, they were incensed, I could see how angry they were, God bless them. And they, they said, just how far is this going to go? And I remember I had my Bible in my hand and I said, it'll go no further than this book. And they took comfort from that. I thought, haven't they read this book?
1: Pretty good, right? What is it that we have to offer people? Uh, I mean, we we can offer them our time and our presence, our comfort, our friendship. What people really, really desperately need is God in their life. They need the presence of God in their life. They need power that goes beyond themselves or beyond any of us. And so we pray the words, Come Holy Spirit. When we pray, typically we say it. I think I don't know that there's been a Sunday that goes by where we don't say, "Come, Holy Spirit." And if you're you know if you're very theologically astute, you might be thinking, "Well, the Holy Spirit's everywhere all the time. What do you mean, God's God's um, omnipresent, right?" Yes, but when you read the Bible, you find that there are cases where the Holy Spirit comes in power, like on Pentecost, which is a day that we'll remember next week. It's like one of the biggest Christian holidays. It's often forgotten. It's like Easter's number one. We got Christmas. I don't know where that ranks. Pentecost is in the top three because without the Holy Spirit, there's no church. Without the Holy Spirit, the disciples don't have any power behind the message that they're bringing. It's not good news if it's only information. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and remembering that the Holy Spirit is our helper. Another, another, like a synonymous prayer to come Holy Spirit would be, God help me. And so if we think about why is the Holy Spirit forgotten, it's because of ignorance, right? We don't recognize him, but fear and embarrassment. Um, I think many of us, and the church at large, just to generalize, I think we're, we're largely embarrassed by the Holy Spirit and I think it grieves him. And in my experience, when I'm embarrassed, there's only a couple of things that, that can push me past embarrassment. And it's not more information. Information doesn't stop my embarrassment. Uh, I can overcome embarrassment if I, if I f- am finding myself truly like rooted in my identity in the love of God. And that's easier said than done, trust me. And the other thing that you can do to overcome embarrassment is to like, just be truly desperate. I realize I'm at my end. I'm at my limit. I can't do the thing that needs hap- to happen. And that's easier done than said. It's very hard to admit I'm embarrassed. And so somewhere in between, there's the doing it scared, <laughs> right? There's, there's courage. There's, I'm going to trust and obey. If you love me, Jesus says, you will follow my commandments to love one another, to go and make disciples, to baptize. In the end of Mark, we were talking about this in second session, part of that great commission that Jesus gives to go and make disciples includes healing the sick. If you read to the end of Mark, there's a like another kind of telling of Jesus' great commission. It's part of the good news that Jesus is king and has authority over sickness and disease and any kind of brokenness, physical or emotional or psychological. And so when we say, come Holy Spirit, we're inviting God's presence because we need help.
0: Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.